Hi, I'm Grant. Move on. What you're hearing right now is a cluster of Broadway performers and legends in Times Square singing the song Sunday from Sunday in the Park of George as a tribute to the song and musicals composer Stephen Sondheim, who had just passed a few days prior. If you're a theater person like I am, you are definitely aware of Stephen Sondheim and his musicals. They have impacted the industry in a way that truly no other composer has. Sondheim's musicals are staples of theater, his characters etched into the annals of storytelling history, and his influence has spread so far that Stephen Sondheim is practically in the DNA of modern musical composition. To further paint the picture of what Sondheim has meant to musical theater, let me rattle off a few of his accolades. An eight-time Tony Award-winning composer, the most of any composer in the award's history. An Academy Award winner, a seven-time Grammy Award winner, a two-time Lifetime Achievement Award winner, a Pulitzer Prize winner, eight Drama Desk Awards, five Laurence Olivier Awards, and quite frankly, one potential future NBC Live musical performance away from being only the 22nd person in history to achieve an EGOT Award. On top of all of that, his shows are constantly nominated for Best Musical at the Tonys. In their original runs, 11 of the 16 musicals he wrote the music and lyrics for would go on to be nominated for Best Musical. A whopping five of them would win. More impressive still is once the American Theatre Wing introduced a category specifically for revivals of musicals, Sondheim's presence became an omnipresence. Revivals of Sondheim musicals would go on to receive 13 nominations, with three of them winning. It's not just the Tonys, though. Sondheim's lyrics would be featured in the Academy Awards Best Picture of 1961, West Side Story. But more so than the awards and tributes, you definitely know his shows. The aforementioned West Side Story, which he wrote alongside Leonard Bernstein. You may have heard of Company. Someone to make you come through will always be there, as frightened as you of being alive. You've definitely heard of this song from Gypsy. Or maybe you're more familiar with Into the Woods. There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. Or maybe you were an edgy kid in the mid-2000s and you love Sweeney Todd. Sweeney 
So, to say he's prolific may be a bit of an understatement. So how do you become the winningest composer of all time, and also so beloved that the industry's brightest talents take up arguably the entirety of the most famous intersection in the world to sing your song? Well, as it says on most posters that ever came out for a Sondheim show, it may just come down to music and lyrics. A song should be like a play. It should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It should have an idea, state the idea, and then build the idea and develop it and finish. And at the end, you should be at a place different from where you began. Sondheim, in addition to being an absolutely mind-blowing composer who could find music in the most interesting places, was also an extremely present lyricist. Oftentimes in musicals, you'll run into songs that merely exist. They're showstoppers that aren't meant to convey new information or progress the story, but are just fun to sing or offer a big moment for an actor or maybe translate well into becoming a top 40 hit. You don't run into this very often with Sondheim, though. He uses his lyrics to keep the story moving, to help a character go from emotional point A to emotional point B. Take We Do Not Belong Together from Sunday in the Park with George, for example. What you care for is yourself. I care about this painting. You will be in I this painting. I am something you can use. I have thought you of Because I understand that I left, that I am leaving. There's nothing I can say, is there? Yes, George, there is. You could tell me not to go. This exchange is the end of both a professional and romantic relationship between model Marie and painter George. Marie has spent much of the musical debating a boring life of comfort against the tumultuous life the artist can give her. It all comes to a head in this song when she finally confronts George, finally lays it all out. This is the beginning. George is given his one opportunity to counter and defend himself. There's nothing to say. I cannot be what you want. What do you want, I needed George? you and you left. There was no room You will for not me. accept who I am. I am what I do. Which you knew, which you always knew. Which I thought you were a part of. Bears your middle. This gives Marie the revelation she's been needing. She tells George he is complete. He doesn't need her. But she needs someone. She feels unfinished, with or without him. Which then leads us to the finish of this song. And that is the last time George sees Marie. However, plot momentum is not Sondheim's sole motivator, but more a tool in his long belt. Well, it's true of all the songs I write, particularly when they're uh, very verbal songs. You make lists is what you do. And you start getting into the character. It's always about getting into the character. And you start to make lists of what she would talk about. And you suddenly find that certain words either, if they don't rhyme with each other, relate to each other. Lyrics should clue us into what's happening with a character, and Sondheim was the master of character-motivated songs, especially characters he may never personally relate to. 
Rose from Gypsy is a hyper-controlling stage mother who seems to live for her children's success, but once we get to Rose's turn, we see how truly self-absorbed she is and how desperately she wanted the spotlight. In Assassins, John Wilkes Booth is given the opportunity to plead his case to us, the audience, for why Abraham Lincoln needed to be killed. And on the subject of murderers, Sweeney Todd's Epiphany, in which we watch him become the demon barber of Fleet Street, is probably one of the most haunting and vital songs that ever come out of the White Way. And they will get him back even as he gloats. In the meantime, I'll practice on less honorable throats. And my Lucy lies in ashes. And I'll never see my girl again. But the work waits. I'm alive at last. And I'm full of tears. Sweeney is all over the damn place in this song. He mourns what he's lost in life. He curses his own position in the world. He lands in the most diabolical spot a man can. We watch him go from estranged father, down on his luck barber, to willful mass murderer in the course of two minutes. It's amazing. But again... Character is not Sondheim's sole motivator. While he is the master of penning character and articulating feelings and driving plots, there's also something poetic in his songwriting. Poetry seems to me to exist in terms of its conciseness, how much can be packed in. Lyric writing has to exist in time. The listener cannot do what the reader of poetry does. He cannot go at his own speed. He cannot go back over the sentence. Therefore, it must be crystal clear as it goes on. That means you have to underwrite. You have to lay the sentences out so there's enough air for the ear to take them in. There's music, there's costumes, there's lighting. There's a lot of things to listen to and look at. And therefore, the lyric must be, in that sense, simple. It can be full of co complex thoughts, and it certainly can have resonance. But it must be easy to follow. That is not true of poetry. The final element of Sondheim's lyricism I'll talk about today is his grasp on poetic lyricism. Sondheim can set a scene or paint a memory with his lyrics. One of my favorite examples of this comes from a less heralded and highly underrated Sondheim show called Pacific Overtures. The show takes place in Japan in 1853 when America forced their borders open. The characters in Pacific Overtures are then forced to grapple with an ever-changing Japan and often describe what their childhood environments were like. The most famous song from this show being Someone in a Tree. I was younger then. I was good at climbing trees. I was younger then. I saw everything. I was hidden all the time. It was easier to climb. I was this is a Sondheim staple. It's in the same vein as Beautiful from Sunday in the Park with George or By the Sea in Sweeney Todd. Something nostalgic and inviting but also layered, requiring you to sit and consider what's being sung about. Also, just a fun aside here about Pacific Overture, because I know these older musicals set in foreign countries, there's this like cringy danger of it being hella whitewashed and kinda racist, but hey! 
Pacific Overture was staged with a fully Japanese cast and a fully Japanese style. Mako was in it. Please look it up. Sondheim was so terrific and making his songs accessible and breathtaking and simple. You can listen to a Sondheim show and perfectly understand what is happening and why, because he writes music like a story. He's not a songwriter. He's not a poet. He's a moving piece of a larger object, a living, breathing mechanism without which the play cannot continue. When I was studying theater, particularly musicals, the adage, where words fail, music speaks, always came up. It was the idea that an emotion or moment that was simply too big to express with mere dialogue must be delivered in song. That's Sondheim. As for his music, well, all right, listen. I could give you some interesting tidbits and thematics that encapsulate the Sondheim sound. I could go on about his use of repetition in music. I could tell you about the research he would conduct on his subjects before deciding what to put in his scores. I could point out the similarities between his shows, the callbacks, and the key differences in all 16 of them, but I will absolutely level with you. No, I couldn't. Music theory escapes me. I'm a words guy. I'm a feelings guy. So all I can really tell you is what Sondheim's music feels like. I love that you can hear this sound all throughout Sunday in the Park with George. He uses it as the sound you hear when George Seurat is painting because he did a dotted painting style. I love that in Into the Woods, your fault blends so seamlessly into The Last Midnight. It paints a scene of paranoia and desperation. And this ending of Take a Look Lee in Assassins gives me chills. Still, even now. Open it. I'm not a musician, but I know a master when I hear one. And Sondheim was the master of the masters. I've asked folks what their favorite Sondheim shows and pieces were, and the answers were as varied as his works are. A Barber and His Wife from Sweeney Todd, the introductory story to Sweeney's past. Old Friends from Merrily We Roll Along, the upbeat jingle about friendship that ultimately underscores a sad ending. Finishing the Hat from Sunday in the Park with George, the painter alone with his work reflecting on how you must make art even at the cost of losing those close to you. Marry Me a Little from Company, Bobby's desire to be married but only in the absolute perfect circumstances and drama-free. 
how I saved Roosevelt from assassins using an attempted assassination of FDR to showcase the juxtaposition of what the media showcases in the story versus what really happens. Even in these songs that people sent to me, you can see a full emotional gambit. And that's not even scratching the surface of what makes Sondheim so great. And honestly, I'll never be able to do Sondheim complete justice. I could tell you about my favorite Sondheim show. It's Assassins, because of course it is. It also happens to be my favorite musical, period, as longtime fans of the show may recall. And I think that show is a masterclass of storytelling and historical significance. I could tell you how Sondheim manages to make you empathize with but never condone the human beings behind some of the nation's most notorious bad guys. I could tell you about the first time I heard the soundtrack to the 2005 revival of Sweeney Todd, starring Michael Cervaris and Patti Lapone. I got instantly hooked on the way Sondheim writes, how that score impacted what I think about how grand theater can be. A huge show like Sweeney shrunk down to its minimal essentials and somehow carrying more weight and power than the Angela Lansbury version. I could tell you about being home from college and catching a celebration of Sondheim's 80th birthday on PBS. It was a rerun and it was one in the morning because time isn't real when you're 18. Being mesmerized by this man's legacy and impact, watching star after star come out and sing beautifully and emotionally the key works in the Sondheim canon, and feeling grateful to be alive at the same time as those songs. I could, if I wanted. But I think if you really want to hear what I think the Sondheim legacy is, you've got to hear it from his individuals. It's never going to be about the awards, the musical flourishes, the critical praises, the think pieces, the dedications, the specials, all of that. It won't be the deconstructions in your college musical theater courses, and it certainly won't be the Tony Awards broadcast in 2022 inevitably paying tribute to him. It's going to be more about you. It's going to be about your theater-obsessed friend playing the soundtrack to Follies in their car and telling you how much they love that show. It's going to be the film versions of Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, West Side Story being your comfort movie. It's going to be watching your kid excitedly telling you they got cast and a funny thing happened on the way to the forum because for some reason every high school and college in America does that show and you're going to see it and honestly you're probably going to hate it because nobody's voice is fully realized yet and nobody got paid to do this but your kid will be so excited to see people in the audience looking at them and appreciating the art they want to make. It's going to be about getting cast as soldier number one in Sunday in the Park with George. And hearing those songs about art every night for three months. And getting to hear two people who to this day, nearly eight years later, you still swear were better than Manny Patinkin and Bernadette Peters were. It's going to be about you, a nervous kid with grand ambitions of wanting to perform and write and direct and all sorts of things, but having the anxious imposter feeling that 
maybe you're really not talented enough or don't have a unique vision to do those things. You're not George right now, after all. You're soldier number one. A character with one or two solos and bigger ensemble numbers. And you may never get cast in those George roles. And that idea sits with you and haunts you and makes you question everything. It's going to be about the first time you hear this song performed live. Look at what you want, not at where you are. Not at what you'll be. Stop worrying if your vision is new. Move on. Sondheim has meant so much to so many people for so long, and likely always will. Thank you all for listening, but especially thank you, Stephen. You've given us so much. There truly is a giant in the sky.